0: Welcome to the second season of Calcutta Art House. My name is Pramit Chowdhury. I'm
1: Ayelet Haimzantoshkov. And we're not really talking about Bengali films. No. Anymore.
0: We have taken our...
1: Trademark wit.
0: And ignorance. (laughs) And we have applied it to the film of Israel.
1: The Sunny Shores of the Mediterranean. Yes. We don't know why we decided to do that. Well,
0: we decided to do it, I think, because you're from Israel. Thanks. Now
1: everybody knows I'm going to get letters.
0: (laughs) These will be better than the letters you get because of your op-eds. That's true. Well, we have a short playlist this time, a little bit shorter than last time. And it spans 50 years from the early experiments in Israeli cinema at the beginning of the tradition through to the award-winning cinema of recent years.
1: Some of this will be in color and commercial. I think
0: we could go like one black and white movie. So it
1: will be less art house and more just, you know. That's
0: partly reflective of the cinema tradition itself, right? Well,
1: yeah, and partially because after last season, I decided I don't actually like art house movies.
0: That's gonna be a problem for the subsequent seasons.
1: So I define art houses like-
0: Not Orlando (laughs) Bloom.
1: That's not cinema. I guess I I mean, not like unviewable avant-garde. Okay. Because, like, the Sgt. Ray movies that we watched, I mean, they were slow, but, you know, they weren't insufferable or unwatchable. They were just films. Right. In black and white. You,
0: so, later, Rit the Goddard was a bit much for and your too taste. Too much. Okay. Like, way too well, much. Well, some of these films, we've corrected a little bit. I know one of them, which I like very much, which is the footnote, which... Many of our listeners probably know too, because it was pretty widely praised. There are some culturally important, but let's just say avowedly middle-brow films here.
1: The whole country is culturally <laughs> important, but avowedly middle-brow. <laughs>
0: there so are some now, people in Jerusalem who are writing angry letters as we speak.
1: Yes, and if you have an angry letter, then you can send it to Calcutta, Art house. will be
0: referencing some modernist Hebrew poetry, and they will show you. <laughs>
1: Unlike some people, I have read some modernist super poetry.
0: And you don't think very much of it.
1: If you have angry letters, uh, you can send them to our house at gmail.com. We actually got an email. The interval. I
0: would like to say thank you to Vishala for an extremely informative email about dress in Bengal and different stylings of saris. So shout out to Vishala for an extremely informative email. And we can share some of that on our Twitter account. Which... Which has gone moribund as we planned out season two. Yes,
1: and which pramit will now assist in handling.
0: And I don't do Twitter, so wait for some firestorms. It's going to get exciting. <laughs> yes, yeah. so exciting. Well, there's no one to offend because we don't have any followers. <laughs> which is probably for the best.
1: That's true. So, no longer Calcutta, no longer our house. Really, we're off to a flyer here.
0: It's a Baraka. <laughs> It it's is. a little cinematic it in joke good. there. Ha ha. Ha, ha. ha
1: ha! Anyway, so. It's like the
0: Samosa in uh, Charlotte.
1: The Samosa of Love. The, the bar-
0: Love Samosa. The Love br-
1: Berekka. The Love Berekkas. Yeah. Who doesn't love a The
0: Berekka film, we should explain, because of oh, leave okay, it no, hanging. Okay. So well, we
1: are starting with a film. Talking so. of
0: middle brow, yes. there are a, a bunch of films that are kind of meant for mass entertainment, but are culturally very interesting for the issues that they raise. Definitely the first film is that, but the second one too. The raunchier of the two. And the first film, uh, you should do pronunciations since it's your language. I did all of them last time.
1: I'm looking up why Baraka's films are old Baraka's films. Right now, on my phone, this is real life. Real life (laughs) research. (laughs) research.
0: Yeah. I thought it was just because it's, you know, easily consumable, everyday, common, uncomplicated in their friendliness.
1: <laughs> well, they're melodrama films.
0: I don't think it's melodrama like Rit the I think it's melodrama like Plautus.
1: Apparently it's a play on like Spaghetti Western, which
0: I mean other than the fact that they're like again. Because readily a particular
1: Western subgenre was produced in Italy.
0: That does not seem to be a helpful explanation.
1: I That seems you know,
0: underpowered.
1: <laughs> well, it also seems offensive to the Barucas, which...
0: Hey, whoa, if, like, I like spaghetti. I like Barucas as well.
1: No, not the, the spaghetti, but saying that Barucas films are vulgar and lowbrow to misunderstand.
0: Well, that's what I'm saying. They, the are, they have a cult... Oh, I see. Do so you think it's demeaning to the actual food? Yeah. I get that. I, but the Barucas, it is not a high art food, right? It is not a high concept food. <laughs> i mean you say you that, can get it at your local bakery
1: well sure you can get a croissant at your local bakery yeah but the
0: croissants are typically not very good
1: but that's our specific local bakery i'm
0: just saying it's not like a souffle right it's, it's not
1: better it has puff pastry and and <laughs> cheese and sometimes potatoes or
0: mushrooms okay but a lot of people like dairy milk too right but the point is is that you have made excellent brackets right i have but You are a very good baker, but presumably you didn't require years of training by Raymond Blanc to make that buraka. Okay. So I'm saying the buraka is supposed to be a homely thing to eat.
1: And so the buraka film is a homely thing to view. Yeah. That's fine. I, no I thought qualms. it was pretty
0: consumable.
1: No, they are very consumable. And they're so I don't think it's no, supposed to be like I mean,
0: offensive to the Baraka. I don't think people are out there being like, oh, I'm going to get one over the Baraka. I don't know why just, the Baraka has become my personal enemy. Yeah.
1: But <laughs> I think the metaphor bears unpacking. Anyway, so our first film is, in fact, a Baraka's film. So we're going to go through these films chronologically because... Time is the most important dimension of physics. And our earliest is called Salach Shabbati. It's from 1964. And... It's in black and white. It's in black and white. And it was a bit of a doozy as as an introduction to... uh, yeah, so.
0: I was amused by the fact that it had topple on it because obviously The I, great Chaim the, the great Chaim Topple, because obviously I know him as does like literally the entirety of the world from Fiddler on the Roof. One thing I was immediately impressed by is that he actually does a pretty good job. Like it's a hammy, hammy role.
1: It's inexplicable. Let's just say way. that like hamm-y. for an
0: Israeli movie this is like abominably hammy. <laughs> I think um, it was abominably
1: hammy because of kosher. Ha ha ha. It wasn't a good gag. It no. was as Ella would call it. <laughs> A typical <laughs> Uh
0: but what I found very impressive is that he's literally in his twenties. Oh he, really? Yes.
1: I didn't realize that. I should have yeah. done because Alec Einstein is also in his twenties. Eric Einstein funny.
0: is a good-looking man, by the way.
1: I remembered him as more svelte, as as he is in Mitsubim, in, S- in, in the second. Oh
0: yeah, in the second. Year, yeah.
1: But I guess he's <laughs> like,
0: more svelte. You make it sound like he's plump. He's a
1: bit plump, but <laughs> he's not. <his cheek>. <laughs> <laughs> he's a bit rotund.
0: Season two has brought out the aesthetic feistiness in you.
1: I'm recovering from oral surgery.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to need that plumpness reduction shot.
1: You've Uh, been given 20.
0: It was a placebo.
1: Our daughter has taken to playing doctor, and her idea of playing doctor is giving her father a plumpness
0: reduction shot. Well, she also gave me a shot against HIV, smallpox, uh, rabies, Ebola, bottle-shaped virus and the coronavirus uh, coronavirus so I feel pretty protected so come at me bro (laughs) (laughs) but anyway anyway
1: I didn't clock that Chaim Topol was in fact in his 20s and that is quite because it's like like,
0: 1964
1: but he looks like
0: I mean he's pretty young in Fiddler on the Roof too
1: well I was gonna say that he looks like he looks in the zeitgeist he's just when I saw him in in Fiddler on the Roof, live in Jerusalem. He was oldish, he was not too old to play
0: Tevye, who is a very
1: athletic. I think he's
0: just good at playing old people. I think that just clearly was a talent of his. On the one hand, rational part of my brain was like, bravo, that is an excellent job. The hamminess is intense. You really have to like steal yourself for it. It
1: is so hammy that in parts of the movie, I couldn't understand what he was saying.
0: Wasn't that partly to do with the fact that he's from the Ottoman Empire, right?
1: I don't think the Ottoman Empire exists.
0: Well, no, but like he's (laughs) He's from a Sephardic family, and so I don't know how accurate he is in any of his pronunciations, but isn't the idea that...
1: He is a a stereotypical, I think, Moroccan Jew. Right. Emphasis stereotypical. But still, at some point I was like, I don't know what language he's speaking.
0: The movie felt kind of a little racist.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: How do you balance the laudable aspects of the film, which are about, like, integration, with the fact that it like, basically portrays this immigrant as both wily and stupid at the same time?
1: That is a, a question for our generation, isn't it?
0: Mm-mm, I guess.
1: Before we get into that, though, should we do our From It's Patented movie Uh-oh. synopsis? So
0: it's a this tough a t- movie to summarize. Well, it's
1: particularly difficult because we've actually watched it several weeks ago, and, yeah. and
0: much has happened. So it's very episodic. And all the episodes are kind of there to demonstrate this guy's wiliness and stupidity combined. His name's Salah, right? And he comes to the airport. Like, the scene at the beginning is they arrive in the plane. It's him, his wife, and, like, seven kids. And she's pregnant, right? His wife. And so the. Well, and the
1: joke is that they don't even know how many kids they have. Yeah. It's not just them on the plane, right? It's them and a bunch of rich tourists. And it's a very, like, 60s airport.
0: So there's a counterpart to them. There are rich Americans yeah. who are coming to visit Israel. Well. And when they go to the airport... The to... question
1: of how all these people are arriving on the same plane is never...
0: You have to just set that yeah, like, kind of like... logical like, yeah. analysis aside, right? So it's very symbolic. It's great. And like at customs and immigration, the other immigrants are telling the officer their, their trade so they can be assigned to that when they enter the country. And Salah so overhears someone saying cobbler. And so he clearly thinks that like, that's the way to access the country. It's all about like kind of game the system, right? Yeah. So he's like, I'm a cobbler. He's like, how much experience do you have? None. <laughs> yeah. So that is basically that's, a- So
1: that's another inexplicable moment because he speaks Hebrew as does all of his family, but not the American tourists. So this too is never addressed. Like how this, this happened.
0: But anyway, it's I mean, not a film to press. It's a comedic film that sketches things. It's almost yeah. like a set of sketches unified into one film.
1: Yeah, which actually makes sense because the screenwriter, Thaym Kishon, is a screenwriter or playwright. And he has, I think we're watching at least one more of his. But he is, at least in my memory, uh, a sketch writer as well. Like, he's a, like he's a comedy a, sketch like a comedy writer. Sketch right, writer. Yeah. Not like a Saturday night, like an old school comedy (laughs) sketch writer. So that does kind of make sense. And it was, I think, originally a play as well. Okay, That that, was then adapted for the screen. So that kind of makes sense. And Topol was probably the lead in the play as well. Well, I was going to say that he's like the Apu of, of the <laughs> season, but I, I think Alec Einstein is Yeah, it's probably, probably in more Apu. movies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. So he and his family get packed off to the Marbarad, which is like basically a bunch of ramshackle corrugated tin roof yes. like huts.
1: And I can't remember what the subtitles call it, but it's something ridiculous, like a transition camp. Yeah, Um, (laughs)
0: waiting to be assigned to much better modern housing. But they're in this camp for an indefinite period. And obviously the whole plot centers around them trying to get from the camp to the housing.
1: And then they're like highlights of the shenanigans
0: he gets into. He needs to get... A certain amount of money in order to get into the housing and so everything is about him trying to like game his way into getting money yeah so without like recapitulating the whole film like the escapades involve a lot of political bribery where he's basically paid to vote except he's comically bad at doing what he's been bribed to do yes. so there's this great scene in the voting booth where he's basically just taking a ton of the voting slips and just shoving, shoving them, in, them into yeah. the box but it's like totally transparent what he's doing because well, he
1: can't close the envelope <laughs> and it doesn't fit in the box
0: and then uh, he there's kidnappings of pets which also goes humorously wrong because he yeah. kidnaps the wrong dog
1: the counterfoil for the camp is the kibbutz <laughs> nearby
0: which is not free from the satirical glare of yes. the director
1: and obviously the, the young people of both the camp and the kibbutz start fraternizing and
0: but the target is the bureaucratic excesses and kind of communist ideology of the kibbutz leaders probably my favorite actor and the whole thing is the woman who's the head of the kibbutz she does a top job like the chief bureaucrat she is excellent she's very good
1: she's very good i can't remember her name right now but she is so in that movie Ashutera Zulai that my mother wanted us to watch but we which we cannot get streamed with subtitles which would prove a challenge for, for some of them I mean hearing. I don't
0: know the first showing of Potrpacoli and the map was without subtitles and they did fine so maybe I could you know, I could handle it
1: I was not <laughs> present at the <laughs> and, and we've established that when uh, what was it Fratid one day had faulty subtitles it was a uh, it was a sub-optimal... the students
0: were not happy about that yeah, yeah. I wasn't happy no about you it. weren't I
1: Anyway, she's the female lead in that, I think.
0: She's one of the few actors who manages to transcend the fact that her role is a comedic stock character on the one hand, but she just does a really good job with it. So it's worth watching for her. Aragorn just a very charismatic guy. I mean, yeah. there's nothing particularly notable about his performance other than the I fact mean, that the, he's the like... I mean,
1: the part isn't very big. He's, no. he's just a, a young kibbutz member who falls in love with Salah's daughter.
0: And it's it's reversed, right? So we have his daughter who falls in love with someone from the kibbutz, and then his son also falls in love with someone from the kibbutz.
1: Yeah, who is not really a social worker, but kind of, I don't know, pretends to be a social worker, so... She's
0: there to kind of improve the family's lot, but isn't really yeah. very good at her job. And yeah, so... <laughs> and also that's part of the kind of almost inappropriate humour where the joke seems to be that they are unimprovable.
1: yeah. Or at least so he's,
0: then, he's unimprovable. So
1: a big part of the plot towards the end is about how Salah is going to marry his daughter to the taxi driver.
0: Because the taxi driver will give him a dowry.
1: Yeah, we will give him a hundred shekels or something. And the kibbutz is like... Because Arik Einstein wants to marry her too. And the kibbutz is like, well, we're not going to pay. This is a barbaric custom and, and blah, blah, blah. And in the end, he tricks them into paying by being like, well, you know... I can't remember what he does. But they're like, well, our kibbutz is is no less capable than some fat taxi driver. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so they they pay him the money. And then when he gets the money, his son shows up with the faux social worker. And they say that they're going to get married. And so the, the kibbutz demands their money back as dowry for their bride giving (laughs) I guess so so in the end there's this double wedding it feels Um, very much like a plot time I was just about to say I feel like a a plot time play as a plot synopsis this I feel left something to be desired but this podcast isn't here to describe the movie
0: (laughs) I mean, one of the issues is that it's a lot of physical comedy, oh. and possibly the most thankless task in the world is to summarise physical comedy, because it's just not... It's, well, there are two problems, right? One, obviously it's not funny, and two, physical comedy itself is not that funny, at least. I would say it comes off like half the time in the film. The film is much more watchable, because the acting's actually pretty good, given some of the constraints of how hammy it is. They do a really good job, some of them. And also there's a contrast between the roles that are hamier, like Salas and the, the head of the kibbutz, and actually the younger people. Like, part of, I think, the message of the movie is this is just a generational shift. And once you get to that younger generation, like, it's much easier to see that integration happen almost yeah. frictionlessly. But yeah. for the older generation, it's almost impossible, actually. Yeah. It's expecting too much.
1: So we should say that the big thing that this movie is satirizing or criticizing is the integration of newcomers to Israel and the way that pretty blatantly people from the I guess the Maghreb and Yemen and the Arabic peninsula (laughs) were just treated much worse than Ashkenazi Jews who came at the same time and so they were sent to live in these basically tin houses and left there with Fairly minimal state support, and that gap is still being closed, and is still something that the well, not the current current government, the the last government or two governments ago, there've been so many, was still using as a divisive mechanism, and still talking about how, Sverdik music and or in Hebrew they call them Eastern right Eastern music and culture and, and books and whatnot were underrepresented in society and the Jews of Sephardic origins were still sort of underrepresented in business and the professoriate and so on and so forth. So this is a problem that still exists. But in the process of kind of <laughs> skewering that, yeah. they kind of veer off satire and kind of end up a basically minstrelsy.
0: Yeah. Well, but it is very much the older... I mean, this is something that, like, when we were talking about it, I don't think I I was emphatic enough about it, because I was thinking about him, but I actually wasn't thinking enough about the children, because that, that just isn't the case for the children, who are portrayed quite differently, and seem to interact with the people in the kibbutz much more normally. And it's not just because they want to get married, but presumably that's part of it. I mean, to the extent that you can call it into marriage, I don't even know whether that's like a valid term in this case. But like, at some level, that is necessary for integration in society because you can't have two entirely separate communities in perpetuity.
1: Yes, and in fact, I think right now the majority of kids in Israel are so-called mixed.
0: Yeah. Right. It's the older people in the transition camp who are like singing their shared music together, right? And well, but the transition
1: camp population and... is actually quite varied, right?
0: That was a bit harder for me to tell because when he was singing, other people seemed to be participating.
1: Yeah, yeah. so I think a lot of them are sphardic, but his neighbor across the whatever lane is... The one that
0: he plays the... Yeah, like, backgammon uh, or whatever. Back Ammon, yeah. It's, yeah.
1: it's clearly... I mean, his name's Goldstein, right? Oh, yeah. So, So he's a, he's clearly an Ashkenazi Jew. And that's also... A kind of stereotype, right? Because he's a bit useless and a bit, he's a bit of a shyster, right? Like, right. he's the one that introduces salah to the electoral bribery yes. s- scheme, yeah. Yeah. and he's just kind of there and had been there for, like, five years, so, right? It, presumably the implication is that he hasn't really done very much to better himself. So, like, it is just basically stereotypical of immigration, which is another thing that is kind of typical of Israeli society, which kind of has a hierarchy where people who have been, like, it is kind of seniority based in some some weird way. So people who have been in Israel since before independence, they'll think of themselves as kind of better than more recent immigrants.
0: But it's also racialized, right? Because immigrants from Africa are treated differently from immigrants from whatever, Russia, who are treated differently from immigrants from Europe. And,
1: you know, I mean, it's a it's a scale issue. So, like, you know, Ashkenazi Jews distinguish between, like, Yekkes and Polish. and But it is racialized.
0: I mean, there are finer-grained categories than race involved here, right? I mean, it's yeah. national and linguistic and all of that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. But the kind of overlying ideology of a melting pot is so, like, strong that there's, at the same time you get both a very strong push to kind of disinvest from your previous kind of cultural trappings and assimilate, but at the same time for a long time, the thing they were supposed to assimilate to was a very Eastern European.
0: Yeah, I saw that um, Netanyahu said, and he wasn't the only one, to say that, you know, Arik Einstein was Israel. And I found that interesting because, like, clearly, the primary meaning of that was that he'd sung a lot of the songs, he was in a lot of the movies, people really liked his personality. But I wondered how prevalent it was of identifying, like, paradigms who were Ashkenazi I mean, he isn't the only one, presumably. There were other people who were kind of symbolic of what it was to be Israeli or who were, like, very well-known. And I wonder whether there's just a statistical imbalance in how many people are Ashkenazi and how many people are Sephardic when it comes to citing individuals Well, yeah, that that is
1: part of, I think, what is still driving this cultural divide. I think we've only recently... I think Netanyahu was the first prime minister to have been born in the state of Israel
0: it's like the Obama um, thing right where people were something you know he's not American right it's like well, well but that's what the thing? do you mean like, he's there, not American there hasn't, like, <laughs> there hasn't yet
1: I think a Sephardic prime minister there has been a Sephardic president but not prime minister which is saying something seeing is it's the highest elected office so On the one hand, the impetus is for everyone to kind of be the same, but you're never really allowed to forget your tribal (laughs) affiliation.
0: Although you wonder whether these things are also just like short timescale things, where 70 years feels like a long time to some people, but it's actually not that long.
1: But seven years is all we've got to work with.
0: I mean, obviously one should never be complacent, but like, if you were optimistic, you would say maybe change is just around the corner, right? Like in America, you can say things like oh, there are a surprising number of people who are actively working against fairness in society, right? And I just don't know whether that's true for Israel or not. Like, the Sephardic community is pretty large. They're represented in the military, right? They're represented in other areas. So it's not quite the same as African-American representation in the U.S. No, no, I
1: don't think so. But, you know, I haven't lived there in 20 years, so, like, what do I know? But I think it's more a benign neglect and sort of systemic racism than, than it is an active policy be that as I may is this the
0: racism of omission rather than commission right the type where I don't want to say unthinkingly but there's a bias to the in-group without necessarily holding on to explicitly prejudicial views about the other group like what's the there's
1: not really in-group right that's the thing it's a new country I think well I mean no I mean
0: in the sense that like Ashkenazi people belong to one group well, I mean, they. Another.
1: I think because Zionism was born and bred in Russia and kind of the Pale of Settlement, it was inherently a so-called white project.
0: But now that the state has immigration been for
1: some time. from the Arab nations began later, and so they came into society that already defined itself as culturally European. Because it's the 50s, right? So European is still, like, the prestige term. Things have changed, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Well, also,
0: there's, like, I don't know anything about Israeli popular culture, so I don't know how much that has played a part. You'd have thought that in American popular culture that might have led to a kind of an improvement in the state of things, since the images that are projected on screen or, like, in the media are often more diverse I mean, for all the criticism that has come about in, in recent years, like right? nevertheless, the situation—if you were to just take the fantasy and fictional realm, right—is preferable to the one that exists in reality. But I don't know whether in modern Israeli fiction there is that contrast between the society that is envisaged and the society that actually exists.
1: I don't know. But if any of our listeners read modern Israeli fiction, they should. Or write watch in TV. And tell us, I mean, I, um. I don't know. I mean, as I said, I haven't lived there in 10 years.
0: (laughs) Well, and I know from what you follow, like you've read a number of books published in Israel and you've watched... Like, satirical news shows and things like that. But that's not quite the same as, like, the full range of, you know, just whacking on the TV and seeing, like, how is society? I don't want
1: to make it out that if the Sephardic Jews are this oppressed group, right? They're much better off than various other non-Jewish groups in Israel. And they are part of society, and those differences are increasingly becoming effaced. But it is still something that is part of... Well, I mean, I guess just like in India, even though it is a federated nation, right? You still think of yourself as a Bengali first and an Indian second, yeah. right? So I think in Israel, it's not quite like that. Mm. So
0: I mean, like, I would say it's different for me, right? Because obviously I was brought up outside. So for me, there isn't really the same kind of balance, even though my parents consider well, themselves like Well, But like, like when, Indian when
1: Indians like, meet, right, they immediately are like, which part of India are you from, right?
0: Or it's self-evident, right? From right. your name or something like that. Yeah. yeah,
1: so it's like that.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, You I, know,
1: there's still like these in-group ethnic stereotypes that persist even as society becomes more.
0: I think for those of our listeners who are not from Israel, I, I assume one of the curious features here is that we're really talking about two major... I mean, you, you know, you mentioned in passing other groups, including Jews from Ethiopia, right?
1: If any immigrant group could be construed as oppressed, it right. would be Ethiopian Jews. And then
0: there are also non-Jewish groups, as you pointed out. But I think the the curious thing in the case of right, asking the Sephardi, is that they are the two major communities. Yes. And in some ways, right? Don't the Sephardi Jews have some claim to being, in fact, pre? Ashkenazi, in the sense that weren't there some Sephardic Jews who actually remained in yeah, so there, Israel for a very long... I mean, setting aside the contention there, there over is the a, use of the term Israel, but like... A,
1: a group of um, Sephardic Jews who claim to have maintained... Um, you don't
0: mean claim in the I'm casting aspersions on that claim sentence, right? You no, mean, no, I'm just reporting, they have, right, yeah. like <laughs> that They are
1: supposed to have had continuous settlement in Jerusalem since, like roman times respect so they have never been diasporic
0: right i like that I just like a uh, drop mic <laughs> i've been here a hell of a lot longer <laughs> than you be. have <laughs> um, rusky <laughs>
1: <laughs> but also you know culture in israel has become more assimilated to its location right it started out being this european enclave in a mediterranean sea but Over the last seven years, like everywhere else, it has become much more integrated with the Arab culture. Yeah, like actually as an outsider
0: going there, without having been to any of the neighboring countries, but, you know, knowing people from elsewhere in the Middle East, my feeling was that it bore much more of a resemblance to what I thought of as other parts of the Levant and the southern Mediterranean because place has tremendous power and the composition of the society is not the same as northern Europe, right?
1: Well, and there are these fake binaries, right? People are like, oh, well, you know, there's Beethoven on the one hand and whatever, lowbrow Sparrow music on the other, but... Oh, is
0: that the, like, the artificial, (laughs) like...
1: Or, you know, you insert, like, fancy-schmancy white European composer. But, like, the fact of the matter is that for you average Israeli kid they listen to the you know the top of the pops which are vastly dominated by Sephardic music so right? that's
0: kind of what I was getting and at like, like nobody pop-
1: knows who Tchaikovsky is just you know? <laughs> kids these days yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tchaikovsky that famous Jewish composer <laughs> we play the music you know? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> only yeah. if your name is Schlomo <laughs> no, no. Very heavy discussion for a first episode, and we're gonna get angry letters because I'm sure I botched the like
0: sociopolitical political. Well, but we don't have any listeners. It's cool. Okay. Yeah. This sounds as if we're running the risk of being slightly informative, unlike last season. You're no. really letting the side down. No,
1: this is it. This is all. I've got.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, so one of the consequences of having this discussion is like making the film seem very like contemporary. Actually, in its Yeah I, I think it is. And I, I you know, I don't want to like overly academicize it because like at some level you need to enjoy the film, right? I enjoy avant-garde films, so, like I'm okay with something being like a little boring.
1: <laughs> it's not, I just but I need a melody. I the... need a plot <laughs> I need a through line.
0: But this film I did think benefited from having social relevance. Because I think if I was just watching it as a film, it was a bit hard work. Because it didn't have it was a little crude. But I enjoyed the performances a lot, I thought they were very accomplished, and I did really like the interestingness of the social message, even though at the same time I was like, whoa, this is seriously problematic. Yes. So I would definitely recommend watching it as an artifact, I think it's really interesting.
1: Well, that's positively our house.
0: I couldn't make anything our house.
1: Can we have our biscuit break now? Oh, yes. All right, so we will go on our traditional biscuit break, and when we come back we will have our first... Biscuit report of the new season. We will be back in a jiffy. And we're back. Hopefully, there would have been, you know, an ad. In you were in quite between. snippy
0: about my suggestion about using you <laughs> <laughs>
1: more is not the national music of Israel.
0: Tchaikovsky. <laughs> um, sponsored by the maker of soup almonds. The, the volume that we go through, awesome. the yeah. very least they could do is send us some chicken patties or whatever, some off Is that by your son? No. Sorry.
1: But they could send us soup almonds. The <laughs> problem <laughs> is on a vendetta against soup almonds that one could almost describe as positively
0: anti-Semitic. But Basically,
1: mostly. the acceptable
0: face of anti-Semitism, soup bomb and hatred. It's because I have to clean them. I've well, not clean them. That makes it sound like I polish soup bombs for a living, but they just—they're everywhere. They—they they, 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 the, 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 our audience has no conception of where they get to. Behind the sofa, on the floor of the car, in Theo's hair.
1: I mean, that is our lot. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, um, anyway. So yeah, sponsorship notwithstanding.
1: notwithstanding. Uh, The the magic of, Mm. I guess now, Tel Aviv, not our our house, Uh, Tel Aviv mainstream, (laughs) is is being brought to you courtesy of the new Colin. I won't say new and improved, because I suspect Colin is the one (laughs) person (laughs) still listening. But the new Colin is called Winona, and Winona is...
0: Our light and savior.
1: An actual earth angel.
0: Sure. Mary Poppins is like some drug addled layabout who ruins children by comparison with Winona. Quite. So Winona has taken on the burden of looking after the feral, <laughs> the destructive, the Godzilla like.
1: I don't know that they're Godzilla like. They're pretty cool. Theo, Theo is very. Um, Con- well, Theo just likes randomly announcing during the day. No, 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 home.
0: That's that's true. So no, he yeah. he's fully correct. Yeah. Oh, Winona, Winona is not at home. Well, um, she's at her home.
1: She's at her home, which yeah. he seems to to not not agree with. But anyway. <laughs>
0: Winona is using her magic skills, much like Colin uses his magic skills, to make us sound listenable.
1: Yes, and delete all of our ums and errs, of which I assure you there are many.
0: And to find some non-clasma music.
1: Yes, and generally make this podcast more vivacious. Since than, this is a new actually.
0: season, let me give a shout out to Colin's podcast. Oh, yes. Colin and Eli's podcast on classics in movies. All movies. Yes.
1: Our house, not our house.
0: I think mostly not our house.
1: Sword Sandal. I think yeah. we're supposed to go on there to talk about Ashwari Ray, which is our kind of side side hustle.
0: Yeah. Sponsorship by Ashwari Ray is also. Yes. I was very complimentary about Choker Bali. That's true. I ate my hat, my proverbial mm. turban, my topor. But whatever. <laughs> Pick a hat of Indian origin and I ate it.
1: But yes, it's called Movies We Dig. And last time I tried to tweet about it, I totally botched its Twitter handle. <laughs> um, so I'm not going to try. Um,
0: Sabotage,
1: Colin, if you are in fact listening, hi. We hope you enjoy your new abode. And we recommend that you all go and find movies we dig. For a
0: much more professional podcast than this one.
1: Yes. But anyway, Biscuit Report. Biscuit Report.
0: Biscuit Report. Biscuit Report. So this week's Biscuit... Still still
1: Indian, because... um, We only
0: really buy biscuits from the Indian store. I mean, there was a brief period where we bought excellent biscuits from Central Market. But Central Market's game is erratic. Yes. They basically need more British biscuits.
1: And we don't have an Israeli store from which to prevent biscuits. Or We have
0: the kosher store at the HEB, but their Mm. biscuit selection is... It's okay. So, what I really want is like an actual proper Jewish bakery doing biscuits. That would in fact be Brada. If someone could make that happen.
1: Actually, you know, the baking of Israel is not very biscuit
0: based. There must be a biscuit. You must I mean, be able to go to like Abu Lafia and get a biscuit. A no. cookie. No? It's just no. savory. Yeah. The whole thing.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean they make probably like yeasted. We're very we're big on yeast. <laughs> Wafers. And I mean I'm not
0: complaining, you know. Um, if I were Abu Lafia I would you cake. know have whatever they had put on.
1: Yes, you make cookies. Maybe I can get my mother to make a selection of Israeli cookies that or we, or, we, can, yeah. we can sample. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know that the tradition of biscuits in the British colonial sense You can have has... a Baraka
0: report. The thing is, the Indian store is a very good source of biscuits. It is. This particular biscuit is the cardamom cookie, which for some reason is also given in French, the cardamom sablé. I think
1: we actually discussed this cookie in a previous biscuit report. Well, it's pretty good. So it it, it bears repeating. (laughs) Um,
0: It is apparently premium forward slash prime. It's got so much text on its label. It's got a little picture of cardamom pods. It says crispy, just baked, made with real cardamom seeds. That is true. It is French. So because it is fait avec de vraies graines de cardamom. So not not fake cardamom seeds, but but real ones. Apparently they're called nan catai. I don't know. That's not not Bengali anyway. Um, It's... Pretty brittle. Um, I mean, it's a shortbready kind of situation. It's shortbread. It's not. It's uh. It's got a slight metallic quality to it. It's like a shortbready snickerdoodle. Oh, it's made in Canada. Oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. So you can't really get these biscuits in non-Indian stores,
1: except maybe in Canada, where they're just rolling in the
0: streets. There is a you know proportionally reasonably large Indian population in Canada
1: anyway they're they're very delightful they're so delightful that i immediately made myself another cup of tea because apparently as all-time listeners would know promise mother is unable to have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee without a biscuit and apparently now i am unable to Um, have me too without a cup of tea i know
0: and i i need a biscuit too with my tea
1: but clearly not tea with your biscuit
0: i just had a cup of coffee literally just now I, I may have a cup of tea in, in a second. We don't need a tea report. We did for a while have a very detailed evaluate I say we I had a very detailed evaluation system for tea, but I don't think that's the stuff of good internet yeah. entertainment. we can
1: we can have a tea podcast separately
0: okay, if you want. All
1: right. So because this is our first episode and because you are actually teaching the Bengali cinema,
0: course again again
1: you yeah. have today uh watched putter i did on double speed
0: <laughs> yeah i didn't really have time so uh i put it on double um, which let me say reduces the gravitas of the film quite a lot <laughs>
1: maybe we should have seen salach shabbatian so, um, <laughs> but so other than it's black and whiteness it does kind of have some similar thematics right poverty and they kind of indignities of trying to like make money and bettering your family and Sarakh is all about transience whereas Pato is about permanence it might
0: help to compare them to compare the trilogy because if you compare the trilogy the Opu trilogy then you have some of the same issues to do with transitions and generational change and to some extent, a symbolism for a relatively new nation. So you don't really have that in Potipatli alone but you do have that in the whole sequence. I mean, obviously the the worldview and tendencies of the directors, and I'm basing this on like one movie in the case of uh, Kishon, right, but are different. So he seems to be a little bit more cynical, satirical. You get some of that in Rai, but it tends to be later in his career or directed at the excesses of religion, say you know, I don't want to say it's completely absent, but it is comparatively absent from the opera trilogy. I just think that Well the the
1: Opera trilogy isn't funny, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, But I mean even in films where he's not funny, he can cast a pretty caustic eye on Yeah, but he's not trying
1: to get you to laugh. Whereas Sarah Shabati is like a proper comedy. Yeah, it's a comedy,
0: yeah. I mean I, I don't think that comedy always transfers well from like a modern especially an art house audience, but like no one's gonna watch it and think it's not a comedy. But that said, right, if you were looking for some similarities between the two, then, yeah, I mean, I would definitely think about poverty, urbanization. and I mean, it's interesting, right, because the kibbutz culture is obviously this, I don't want to say unique, but it is very distinctive phenomenon, and that's part of what this film is about. I mean, I don't know, but I don't think there's any equivalent.
1: And I should say, for Colin's sake, that a kibbutz is, I guess, a socialist commune.
0: It's agricultural,
1: right, for the most part. And the idea, at least as it started out, is the collective owns everything and everybody works as much as they can and receive according to their needs.
0: So it emerges from this agricultural communist tradition, right? And so, I mean, I don't know how true this is of the actual organization of them, but in the satire, that's why you get these bureaucratic episodes. Yeah,
1: it's like extremely bureaucratic and and they're always having an eye on the budget and... They make collective decisions. There's
0: a lot of open uh, meetings. Yeah,
1: which are like, um. I don't know, reminded me of the like Gilmore Girls in town meetings. Yeah, that's
0: true. I didn't think about that. Yeah.
1: Because the contrast is between the very kind of pompous bureaucratic, I don't know, alderman. Yeah. And older woman. And uh, the irreverent
0: young people. Are we going to have any other movies about kibbutzes?
1: Let me refer to my list. I mean, um, at least the second no, one. That, no. no, no. that's it. <laughs> the, yeah, I don't think so. We can. I can, no, I mean, I I, can no. find some. I was born a kibbutz, as you that's as you well know. I've been to it. I've forgotten. <laughs> but I was also one when I left the kibbutz. So,
0: right. <laughs> so you, you didn't pick up a hoe in anger? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> I heard that kibbutzes had massively diversified in terms of... Their, oh, yeah. A lot like, of them are, really are almost,
1: There I say it, capitalist. <gasps>
0: <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Please
1: refer all of your angry letters yeah. to
0: Calcutta.
1: Calcutta our house internet
0: me. dot no, Greg sorry. Abbott forward slash. <laughs> 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 Just bomb that abortion dobbing inline. line. Send them shrek memes. <laughs> They're not what? our listeners anyway. <laughs>
1: You're saying that Greg Abbott doesn't listen to our podcast?
0: Not anymore. <laughs> He only likes Israel superficially. I guarantee you he's not interested in the movies. It's just for, like, political count.
1: That makes me sad. Anyway, the kibbutz.
0: The phenomenon of the kibbutz kibbutz. that we will now completely bypass for the rest of the season. (laughs) Well,
1: you know, Israel is a small country, but it is very dense. We cannot encompass every single... Well, also, you wanted to put in a lot of, like,
0: sex films for some reason. I don't know why. Because
1: the culture is
0: hopefully sexual I yeah, I yeah.
1: those are the classics as presented to me by my parents so it's, it's entirely possible <laughs> that my family just has a weird sex bias
0: I mean, we saw it in a kind of fragmentary way, but it was uneasy viewing.
1: Our next movie, Mitzitzim, yeah. that is a bit...
0: We're going to get into that controversy next time, well, so we not to when I asked my mother if it was... Did she know the story, though? The story about the making of the film?
1: No, but when I asked her if it was appropriate viewing in the presence of the children, she said that it was fine, because they would be too young to understand what was going on. Well, yeah, well, about. she changed
0: her mind when she started watching it.
1: <laughs> 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 Part of it is because those are movies from the 60s. We're getting
0: off to like a really controversial start. So we've got this movie and then we have a movie where, no, I won't spoil it, but like it's gonna be very controversial when we talk about it next time. You're generally confrontation-averse, but as you hit your prime, you're just confrontation left, right, and center.
1: I know not what to tell you. I mean, <laughs> it's a controversial place.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the footnote, which was my favorite movie, it's the only one that I've seen that's an Israeli movie, is not controversial.
1: It is. It is not controversial. I mean, many many of these films are not controversial. Oh, like three unless, of them by unless Joseph. Unless
0: you How do you pronounce his name? Kida. Kida. Kida.
1: Yes. I mean, if you're anti-Zionist, then they're all controversial. So, I suppose so yeah. you know.
0: We're not taking a well. I'm not taking a position on that. I'm treating these as as artifacts, as
1: objets d'art. Yeah. Okay. Well, you can guess my position on that <laughs> by default. But why were we? Oh, well, because we're talking bypassing... about kibbutzes, right? Yes.
0: And it's like, well, what do we have instead of kibbutzes? And based on what you said, apparently it was sex.
1: The big city, urbanism.
0: I don't know, because you haven't described... The, the only films that you have well, mentioned, not just in compiling well, this list, but also that films gonna, that you've talked about in the past, one have basically the movies have been of going to see movies. is about
1: Indian immigration, centered on a lesbian love. <laughs> QED.
0: I just want to say to our listeners that this suggests that we are much more exciting than we really are.
1: On that note.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, we've built up a lot of excitement for the next movie. A lot of tension. I think now people might just think it's like a porn movie or something. It is not a porn no, movie. No, I know. It is not porn But it th- is a movie about voyeurism. So we're not a world away.
1: And it is kind of dark in places. And it was totally not what I expected when I put that movie on the list. So there is that to look forward to. So it's called Metzitzim, which means peeping toms. And it takes place on the beach that apparently my family used to go to all the time, and of which I have no recollection. And yeah, it's kind of dark and I don't know.
0: Obviously, I don't know like the literal translations of any of the words. I assumed when you said it had something to do with breasts. (laughs) I see that. (laughs) I mean, my phonology is obviously, you know, erroneous. Like Varro. I'm not gonna let that stop me. (laughs) I...
1: I don't think it has. Unlike the Grand Tetons.
0: What about the Grand Tetons?
1: The Grand Tetons are called the Tetons because the Frenchman who saw them was like, ah, oh, boobs. For real? For real. That
0: isn't a Veronian etymology? No. Wow, okay. Yeah.
1: National park trivia. Not so uninformed. <laughs> now, eh? Anyway, this episode is now begging to be wrapped Shuffle up. Shuffle off it's sho- a Small coil. Exactly. We will see you hopefully next week, but who knows, in this era of tumult and climate change,
0: As long as there's not a biscuit shortage.
1: Priorities. (laughs) Priorities. Well, until next week. Bye. Bye.